0: Brand new Sojourner Pod Week coming up. Stay with me for Meredith Monday. All right, so let's kick it off. Um, Let me just say before I start actually that um, I have got my mic levels a little bit lower than normal and that's because... Uh, something crazy is going on next door with a lot of kids and a trampoline and uh, maybe even a demon possession it sounds like Um, so I have tried to counteract that by turning my mic levels all the way down and um, hopefully you don't get too much of that you might just hear uh, uh, the the, the tortured sound of some kids screaming um, and that might come through every now and again or laughter or something like that but hey they're actually having a good time, so don't worry about it. Uh, hopefully, that's not going to get too uh, involved in, in this podcast recording. Um, I am meant to be hanging out with uh, Chris now, and we're meant to be doing the last um, chapter of his book, but uh, unfortunately, we got uh, it just didn't quite work out with our time zone, and, um, and so we're gonna have to delay that by one uh, week or Lord willing, we'll get back to you on that one next week. Um, what I'll do, though, is, is take seize the opportunity to um, use tomorrow to talk about something other than I normally do, um, because tomorrow is usually the time I'm going through the frame, klein, um, debate on the Escondido theology. And um, what I want to do instead is just bring that forward, and I'll talk about that. I mean, it's obviously still Meredith Klein, and uh, as Frame is engaging with Klein, so that works for Meredith Monday. And then uh, what I'll do is just uh, tomorrow um, on Two Kingdom Tuesday, um, I want to just kind of find a way to slot in some of the stuff that I've been reading. I've I've got through a ton of books uh, recently, and so I just want to say a few words about them. So we'll do that tomorrow. Uh, It's very interesting stuff. And uh, then we'll keep going as normal and uh, then hopefully be back uh, uh, with Chris the following Monday. So just pretend this is Tuesday, and we're kind of moving on with our Escondido Theology thing, uh, if you've been tracking along with that. Um, And uh, we're kind of in an interesting section of of, uh, Chapter 5 in his book, uh, The Escondido Theology, talking about Frame's uh, engagement now with Meredith Klein's Kingdom Prologue. And uh, if you go back a week or so, you'll see that I... Uh, talked a little bit about uh, some of the things that he started to raise uh, in objection to uh, the idea of merit and um, the idea of grace before the fall. So he he tries to well he basically goes through um, some good points that are worthwhile keeping in mind and and again just uh, trying to you know keep it upbeat and read him in a in a good light and. Um, and not let this thing dilapidate too badly into just some sort of mudslinging contest. But um, just uh, Frame is a, is a gangster, you know, and we basically have to year him out. I mean, he, he, he seems very disconcerted with what Klein's saying at certain points. And so it would be wise to year him and, um, and see what the problem is. Um, so I worked for, through, he, he gives a how many, a total of five points. I worked through the first three um, last week. Um, uh, talking about this issue of merit, ending off actually with uh, one of uh, the chapters of Chris's book, as he helpfully gives an analogy in um, uh, that counters what Frame has to say. Now, um, what I want to do is just uh, look at these final two points before. Um, uh, we go on to the next topic. The next section, by the way, is going to deal with the Pactum Salutis and the Covenant of Grace. Uh, but just sticking with this uh, God and Covenant, Covenant of Works thing, and the idea of merit before the fall, let me just say a few more words about this uh, as as uh, frame engages with him. Um, <clears throat> both of these, I ended off last time by talking about a, a certain kind of drum that I'm going to probably be beating over and over again. Um, uh, a certain uh, message that's going to come through again and again. And I think, as I said last time, this gets at the bottom of what's being missed at certain turns by frames critique and um, is helpful perhaps even to just lessen the tension between what they're saying and even see some sort of uh, way forward. Um, in trying to understand this uh, role of merit in the covenant, um, Frame says we need, to, we need to remember that Adam was a creature of God and everything in him, and I'm just reading straight out of his fourth point now, uh, his physical nature, his knowledge, abilities, as well as his original righteousness was given to him by God. Uh, everything necessary to maintaining his life was God's gift. Now, Klein, uh, as we know, uh, objects to saying that there was grace before the fall and really largely Frame agrees, which is important. Uh, He says it a few times. He says, I grant the accuracy of Klein's criticism that the use of grace to describe Adam's pre-fall blessings, um, you know, is, is just a um well, he calls it a minor terminological error but it's really just he understands it's, it, it there is an error there so uh, frame and client really are at some level of uh, at agreement there um he sees the big burden that client carries with regard to not calling that thing that happened before the fall at any level grace uh let's technically define grace as demerited favor, not merely unmerited favor. And let's leave that to talk about what happens as God uh, not only gives us, um, doesn't give us what we do deserve, but gives us what we don't deserve, right? And um, and so, uh, you know, Frame gets that. So let's uh, leave that there. Frame's burden, though, is just to go, well, listen, um, that's all good and well. It's just that we don't want to be understanding that there is um, uh, no kindness and no blessings and no uh, benevolence of God uh, that in some sense, I mean, man does not, he does not, uh, maybe he's just trying to leave the sticky language out of it. It's just that he hasn't earned it, you know? So he's put in the garden, he has all these blessings, he has uh, everything just kind of uh, helping him along. He hasn't earned any of that. And and this is something Frame just wants to make sure uh, is highlighted and keeps in balance. And the whole time you get a sense, and this is probably true, that he is mediating in his mind uh, positions, uh, probably has uh, just going on on um, uh, Chris's book, probably has a lot of Norman Shepard. I know frame and Norman Shepherd were close and um, probably has a lot of what Norman Shepard is being accused of or what he is saying in mind. And so he's trying to mediate a position uh, in some sense between Klein uh, and Norman Shepherd. Um, I think from what I've read about Norman Shepard, that would be a fruitless endeavor because Norman Shepard does go cray cray off the rails. Um, But at the end of the day, um, leaving the point as it stands here, frames just simply saying, all right, well, that's cool. Let's, let's, let's limit the word grace to after the fall, but let's not, forget about all the blessings, all the kindness that that God has given Adam, enabling to do his covenant of work, so to speak. Um, and so um, to continue with Frame, he says, uh, Klein fails to see the extent to which Adam's obedience, his merit uh, presupposed and uh, dependent on these divine gifts. Um, now, of course, we all know uh, Klein does allow for uh what does he call divine love or uh beneficence or um you know anything a condescending mercy uh maybe not mercy but condescending um a con an ontological condescension kind of ontological grace as it were but uh soteriologically uh grace is is, the client is emphatic is limited something demerited after the fall so again um uh Frames saying, Klein, in that sharp distinction, is perhaps not giving enough account to the way in which God has given um, Adam everything that, that was virtuous in him. Uh, he says, Adam could not have been virtuous if God had not created him with the gifts of the divine image. So had Adam successfully completed the probation and there had been an award ceremony to honor that achievement, let's say, uh, Adam surely would have glorified God, not himself. Um, he would have testified that he could have done nothing apart from God's good gifts, gifts given to him in the absence of any merit or uh, desert on his part. So in that sense, there's a kind of continuous theme even after the fall. Um, I mean, now when we get to heaven, of course, we're going to be saying by God's grace alone. And frames acknowledging that while that that's, you know, it wouldn't have been the case for Adam to to make the, quite that statement by God's grace alone, uh, the, it's not like Adam's just going to be standing there and he's lofty pride going, well, I just did this my way on my own without any help from God. Uh, no, of course, Adam is going to be giving glory to God and, uh, and by God's goodness, by his good gifts, uh, has Adam come all the way should that have happened? Of course. Um, <clears throat> and so again, he says, I grant the accuracy of Klein's criticism." of the use of grace to describe Adam's pre-fall blessings, but that, in my view, is a fairly minor terminological error. Uh, Klein's overemphasis on that issue may blind him to the vast importance of God's gifts to Adam, which, though they are not grace, see how he he acknowledges that, are certainly unmerited and which are absolutely essential to his successful completion of his task. Now, a few things to say about that. Um, Firstly, this is one of the reasons that Klein's technical definition is important because he's not happy with just merely calling it unmerited favor grace is not merely unmerited favor because uh precisely of that reason i mean you know God gave to adam many things that weren't merited in that um a strict sense uh, but to call that grace in the same way as we call demerited favor is going to get us into trouble in all sorts of ways um, as per Norman Shepard. And so, uh, he simply wants to keep those things uh, apart in our minds. That's not to say that Klein in any way is denying what Frame is saying, but again, to read him charitably, I mean, it, it's possible that, <coughs> excuse me, um, that in an emphasis to want to keep those things apart, um, Klein is not being perhaps as balanced as he could have been in, um, in, uh, allowing us to realize that in fact, every, Every moment of Adam's life was sustained uh, by God and every part of everything that Adam did really ultimately depended on God and his goodness and uh, his uh, His giving of him. Uh, I mean, even I just think beyond the virtue and everything, just the sustaining of every second of the universe, um, uh, none of it, Adam couldn't have earned anything if God didn't give him the environment in which to work. I mean, there are all sorts of ways you could process it. But to speak like that is really to show that um, it's fairly obvious that I think Klein would presuppose all of that. Obviously, that's true. No one really is denying that. And so to bring that up as a point doesn't really hit home. It's not a critique necessarily leveled against anything Klein was saying. Um, Rather, it's just a reminder. And um, at that level, fine. Fine. It's a good reminder. Um, Certainly, Adam is not going to stand in the presence of God and boast in his own uh, abilities. That's not what the idea of a a meritorious uh, award is under the covenant of works. Uh, Rather, the idea would be that by God's um, enablement and favor and uh, and even enablement is kind of slippery because we mean grace by that often but you know what I mean by by God's uh, giving of Adam every second of his life let alone uh, his virtuous inclinations um, had Adam have arrived, if he had arrived all the way in uh, to glory um, having completed the task that he had been given certainly part of the task that he had been given is to glorify the suzerain king and to rule in his name and to point forward to him so you know that would have been there and that wouldn't have changed at that point so client certainly wouldn't deny that i don't think well he shouldn't deny that obviously can't speak for Klein 100 but um i don't really think that's the point and maybe maybe it's true the frame knows that and it's just a matter of keeping everything uh before us as we move forward the fifth point gets a little bit more into what frame i think hopes to achieve Uh, in that he is trying to mediate a position. He wants to get to something a bit more balanced. He wants to make the people that don't like Klein just a little little bit more open to his ideas while keeping their own and vice versa. And so reading from the fifth point, he says, so far I have not brought into this discussion God's foreordination of all events through his eternal decree. In any complete theological account, this has to play a role. Uh, God's eternal decree precedes and causes all human actions. So had Adam maintained his righteousness, he would have certainly thanked God that God had predestined his success, right? There is, of course, always in Scripture a mystery, uh, the whole divine sovereignty, human responsibility thing, but we have to make uh, make sure to take care of or maintain both sides of that mystery. Um, All right, so what's he doing there? Pretty much kind of what we started hinting at in the previous point, in that it's beyond the virtue thing. It's just the God predestining, upholding every second of Adam, should he have succeeded. And so ultimately, you know, God must enable him in some way, uh, if he had succeeded and that can't be clouded. Uh, even if we don't call it grace, we've got to keep in mind that that's true. And so far, amen. Um, and so he says, although I agree with Klein's technical strictures against the use of grace, and again, note he's agreeing, um, to describe prefall blessings, I believe that given the comprehensive nature of God's love and, um, his uh, beneficence to Adam, there is a deep analogy to grace. So that's kind of, you know, that's, okay, we get it. You know, there is an analogy to grace pushed at that level, but it's not grace. And so just let's kind of get away from that. But you can kind of see what Fran wants to do. He wants to just, um, you know, make peace between the two warring factions there. Klein is right to say that um, had Adam remained faithful to God, Frame says, he would have deserved the blessings of the covenant, but we must add that his desert, his merit, would have been minuscule in comparison to the glory of God who granted Adam's success. The works principle, if we wish to call it that, is a necessary, though not sufficient basis for Adam's blessing. And that's really the nub of his argument. Now, it's interesting because in principle, he agrees with Klein and In principle, Klein, I think, I don't know, you know, wouldn't have been comfortable in terms of where he's going, but um, I think wouldn't have a problem with what he's saying. Um, I don't think Klein intended to say it was a sufficient basis to the denial of everything that God had, uh, you know, the sustaining of God's universe, the nation of all his events um, uh, the, uh, giving man his moral integrity, just, you know, Klein's not denying any of that. So at that level, it's a fairly successful, um, just reconciling of, of, you know, let's put it this way. If the guys on the other side, um, of Klein, let's say the guys like the Norman Shepard guys had, had thought that what Frame was saying was good. I think that could have actually helped a lot. Um, um, but obviously they weren't happy with it and Klein wasn't either. Or maybe, you know, that's that's hard to say from Klein's side because it's written afterwards. But um, he says, uh, and yet it shows directly his his desire, I think this does justice both to Klein's arguments for the necessity of merit and to the chief arguments raised by the opponents of his thesis. And they, I, I can only imagine that would be Norman Shepard and the gang. Uh uh, maybe even the theonomists uh, at certain points, mono-covenantalists, probably. Uh, God's covenant with Adam does not involve Adam's works. Um, sorry, got that wrong. God's covenant with Adam does involve Adam's works and merit, Frame says, but Adam's task is to be completed in an environment saturated with God's love so that ultimately the glory will go to God. See now, one of my big things there is, and I like that by the way. I think that's okay. One of my big things is just to whatever you uh, apply to the one Adam, the first Adam, you should apply to the last Adam. And it's kind of just a helpful way to get it if there's going to be any problem with uh, what's being said. So if we say, well, uh, you know, there was grace before the fall, um, in the same sense that there was a grace after there was grace after the fall, both at a kind of demerited favor well obviously you're into so- all sorts of trouble there because um, you know if you say for the first Adam you got to say for the last Adam and that's accusing Jesus of, of needing grace because he uh, you know he, he was a sinner and obviously that's a no-go area um, but to be fair no one's really saying that and so uh, really at the most extreme level um, you've got the mono covenantalists who would, who would simply not do enough justice to the difference between uh, what happens a, at the fall and uh, what happens after the fall. Um, but what what uh, what Frame says here is good. I mean, it's 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 fine. I mean, it all happens within the context of of um, a loving God who gave the Garden of Eden essentially to Adam. To begin with, um, and so he says the works principle, if we wish to call it that, is a necessary though not sufficient basis for Adam's blessing, um, and that's where it's, it, you know it's like. So what I'm trying to do is show you. Well, you know, insofar as it goes, totally get the point. It's just that it's so close to the knife edge of where we know people have gone with it, which ends up in heresy, and so that's what makes everyone nervous. And I suppose, what frame at the best light uh, frame frame is just saying, I don't really care about that. I want to be balanced. Uh, in in the worst light, he might be saying, Well, I I just don't want to turn away entirely from those other teachers, even though they have uh, clearly gone off the rails. Um, so I'll leave it to you to make that call. Uh, but he says. Um, He, uh, we're just bouncing down a few uh, lines there, he says, um, the question is therefore whether the phrase the covenant of works is the best way to describe the pre-fall covenant. And, you know, Murray would be involved in this uh, big time, and I know that John Frame cut his teeth on uh, John Murray's uh, systematic theology. And John Murray is a great systematic theologian, Uh, but uh, as we've mentioned before a few times, would kind of open the door and so many of the seeds that would eventually become the Norman Shepherd controversy. Um, And so it's almost, it feels to me, and I don't know enough about Murray's theology to say this definitively, but it feels to me that Frames just simply wanting to go, all right, let's just go back a little bit to John Murray, right? And let's just try and work with the John Murray controversy rather than the Norman Shepherd controversy. Um, and so, you know, the whole issue there, do you use the, what taxonomy do you use? What, uh, nomenclature do you use? Uh, is it, is it about, um, do you call it a covenant of works? Do you call it a garden covenant There you know, Murray and, and, and all those guys were just basically worried that by saying works, it sounded like God was not even, um, the one who would be glorified in those works. And, um, at, you know, at that level, amen, whatever, it's a semantic. So remember that phrase, semantic, not substantive. Um, that's what we started off saying last time. Um, so he says, that phrase may elevate the role of merit, though, the covenant of works at least, uh, so far to mis- mislead the reader as to its um, actual nature. I will henceforth refer to it as the covenant of creation. So so frame makes his decision. He wants to go covenant of creation. Um, Klein actually, I think would be okay with that just because, you know, uh, the covenant of creation and the eternal covenant of works with the sun are, are different things, but they get there for two different reasons. And, um, it's, it's just, you know, at that level, it's like, what do you want to emphasize? Well, I think probably soteriologically in terms of the greater scope of the Bible, in terms of why the, the garden covenant was so important and how it reflected the covenant of works, um, eternally. And uh, how it pointed forward to Jesus, I think the the covenant of works label is is really helpful because it just brings that side of it right out. Um, and so I would opt for covenant of works, but you know it's a helpful thing to take on board um, that um, you know in so doing, in saying that it's a covenant of works, we're not denying uh, the love of God, his uh, uh, his giving Adam everything that he had. Um, Even his very life—I mean, it's kind of an obvious point, isn't it? Um, You know, every heartbeat that Adam had would be sustained by God. Uh, He didn't earn that; Uh, that was just given to him. Um, And so, yeah, I just again—I can't see anyone in their right mind denying that point. In fact, it's in the confession. There is a reality uh, to that that we must affirm. But it's just that—that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) That's why it gets so cloudy. Why do we want to fight for that when that's not even the issue on the table? The issue is how was the promise to be inherited? Was it a principle of works or a principle of of grace as in demerited favor? Was it a principle of relying on the works of Adam uh, as he himself performed them according to Obedience or inobedience to to what God had directed him in? Or was it a matter of Adam relying on the works of another, though he didn't deserve it? That's the real question. That's the only question. So, again, it's like you got to keep your, it's helpful in that it just keeps you straight, keeps you really thinking clearly. What are we actually fighting for? Let's not overplay it. But at the same time, it, it gets things a little bit muddled if you're not careful because, I mean, we could, in a sense, just say amen to all of that. Um, it gives you the frame gives you the impression that he's critiqued Klein and he has and he hasn't Um, so there's some thoughts for you with regard to the frame and Klein uh, interaction in his book Escondido Theology definitely nothing to to topple Klein over at this point Um, nothing uh, to even challenge the system really if anything just a few things that might well file file down a few sharp edges uh, which maybe is a good thing anyway um, but so far, uh, Klein is standing and uh, Frame's just sort of um, uh, making sure that everything is not going too, um, too radical. Radical, And maybe he's reacting again to some of the Kleinians that uh, he has been exposed to, seeing what they, they would have um, uh, argued for. Or maybe he's re- reacting, trying to... Um, you know, uh, help his friends who are in the other camp out. Uh, You know, it's hard to say, but I'm not going to go there. Let's just rather read it for what it is and go. Thank you, John Frame. Appreciate it. As a Kleinian, um, I'm just going to make sure never to forget that. And um, I I definitely am still sold on the idea of there being merit um, uh, before the fall and a covenant of works before the fall. And this in the context of God's love and um, all part of this first covenant arrangement. So if um, uh, hopefully that's helpful to you, if you have no idea what I'm talking about at any point, maybe what will be helpful is you pick up Chris's book and go and look at uh, the first. I mean, he deals with the Norman Shepard thing throughout, so read the footnotes there if you if you want some more info. But um, just go and uh, have a look at that book, and that'll get you right up to speed in terms of why merit before the fall and in this covenant of works in the garden is important. Um, Okay, I'm going to drop it there. That's um, just some random thoughts on this uh, passage. But um, just for the sake of continuing with me as I work through this, hopefully that's helpful to you. Uh, If not, jump right over this episode. I'll see you tomorrow. Bless you.